Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Ride here with Tim Beadle. And today we're taking maybe a little different flavor, a little more of a heart a level discussion on, on the heart of God and God's heart for us and his desire, his longing for people and what that means in disciple making. So that's all I'm going to say about where we're going. Tim's going to take it away. Tim, uh, welcome back. You've been away for yeah. a bit. Good to be back in the same Zoom room together. Here we are, and I, I want to uh, just focus on the heart of God today. Uh, you know, in Psalm 34, Darren, where it says, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, I don't know if you remember, we're, we're, we're going back here <laughs> for a couple of decades at least. Uh, Kellogg's cornflakes back in the 1990s were going to be taken off the shelf. Uh, so Kellogg's had this major dilemma because since 1951, it had been their best-selling cereal, but all of a sudden, I guess the, the popular palate of people seem to be leaning more towards the snap, crackle, pop. A little and more the, sugar, uh, a little less. Yeah, uh, yeah. How are they? They're great. You know, um, Frosted Flakes. And uh, Kellogg's was considering taking them off the shelf for the new and improved versions, as it were. However, they decided to hire a marketing research company. And after they, they spent time and interviewed people who, again, ate Kellogg's cornflakes, what it all came the Super Bowl, you know, all those cool commercials in the Super Bowl. Fourth quarter, 1992, Kellogg's put on this uh, sort of 30-second commercial of a guy eating a bowl of Kellogg's cornflakes. And they sort of described, you know, the uh, the wholesome nature of the cornflakes. But then at the end, the guy looked into the camera with a spoon in his hand, sort of heaped with Kellogg's cornflakes. And he says this, Kellogg's cornflakes, taste them again for the first time. <laughs> and, and the whole thing was, like, these things are really good, but when was the last time you actually stopped and thought through what you were eating? And, and in, the, in the same course, you know, when we, when we uh, taste and see that the Lord is good, we have to sometimes stop and really taste in terms of what God's heart is all about. Mm. And I believe when we do, God's been speaking to me the last two weeks about what his heart is for people. And, and the whole commission to go into the world to make disciples uh, wasn't something that Jesus sort of thought up to keep us busy until he returned. It was a direct revelation and amplification of what is in God's heart since the day he created Adam and Eve. He wants us people to belong to him and not only belong to him, but within that word belonging. And, and this is what I want to uh, really focus on today. Within the word belonging is the word longing. Hmm. God longs for us. And uh, this really came to, to sort of a pinnacle uh, 10 days ago in my life. I, I live out in Alberta. I traveled down to see my mom in Toronto. She was just taken into a long-term care facility because her dementia is getting like really, really bad. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, she did recognize me. I saw her two days, uh, two hours each day. But after I left, she would forget I was there quite shortly after. So each day was a separate visit. And I realized the next time I go down probably will be in nine months because of a family wedding. I'm pretty convinced when I go back, not only will she not 
remember me, but she won't even recognize me. Mm-hmm. And and my heart has been burdened because there's been this longing in my heart, Darren, about what it means to belong. Like I belong to my mom because I am longing for her. But you know what? There's going to come a time where maybe even now where she doesn't remember me, that, that she isn't longing for me. Mm. Uh, there'll come a day when she doesn't even know me. And unfortunately, uh, within our worlds, people don't realize that God, through Jesus, through his spirit, is longing for them. Mm. And you just have to sort of pause and let that sink in. And this this sort of uh, fits on a whole bunch of different levels. For those who don't know Christ, the, the, the whole joy of the journey for folks like you and me and others who want to introduce people to Jesus is that they don't know that God is longing for them. Has, has that been your experience along the way? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's when people understand that, even to hear it sometimes, it's a bit of a you know, question mark, because so many people have experienced anything but people longing for them. They've experienced people using and abusing them and abandoning them. And, you know, even to the point where one of Kristen's coworkers she's sharing Christ with, you know, one day just came out and said, you know, why does Jesus have to be a man? Yeah. Because every man in my life has been, you know, been been so nasty with me. And so for people to understand that God has a heart for them is a breakthrough idea and a breakthrough experience. Yeah, it is for sure. And, um, you know, Paul, in writing to the church in Ephesus, talked about what it meant to belong to God. And those who are, you know, now in the household of faith, as it were, uh, talks about that that we would become mature, attaining to the whole measure. <laughs> this just racks my brain. We'd become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Mm. Like, like that's that's part of our design. Obviously, we're created in God's image, but he has created us with the capacity to be filled to the fullness of the measure of God. That That's in chapter 3 and in chapter 4, uh, fullness of the measure of Christ. Mm-hmm. And and therefore, when we look at people, uh, you know, we've said this a hundred times before. So from now on, we consider no one from a worldly point of view. Uh, so our people are not only lost to the love of Jesus, but they're lost to the knowledge that there's a God who not only loves them, but is longing for them. I know others have talked about, you know, the hound of heaven that pursues people. Mm-hmm. But I, but I, I just wonder, uh, as part of our disciple-making commitment, uh, to what extent is there an element of longing in our hearts? Have, have, we, have we lost the longing? And sometimes when we do, uh, disciple-making becomes more of something, well, we have to do it. You know, we were commanded to do it. But when you long for someone, uh, when I look into Scripture at the different pictures of the relationship between Jesus and his church, uh, it all talks about relationships where longing and belonging are associated. So I think, um, put you on the spot, uh, Ephesians 5, (laughs) the bride and the... (laughs) The bride and the the bride and the groom. There you go. So just think of the longing longing between a, a human couple as they look forward to their 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 uh, union together and how they just long that you just can't keep them apart. And it's also like okay, okay, okay. But here's this picture of Jesus as the bridegroom who longs for the bride, which is the church, and not only the church organized, but each member in the church. It's an intimate relationship. That, that Jesus longs to make us his own forever. 
And uh, then in, we, we go into John 15. Uh, you know, Jesus is called the branch. And uh, no, we're, the, he's called the vine and we are the branches. And he longs for his life-giving love to flow through us that we may be fruitful. And I don't know about you, but uh, isn't that the desire that God has for us? Uh, Jesus said, I've chosen and appointed you to go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last. This is to my Father's glory, showing yourself to be my disciples or disciple makers, Mm -hmm. that yours would be really framed by a life of love. in terms of love and 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 what you do with the love of God in your disciple making, how has that been evident uh, in in what you practice and and what you see around you, Darren? Well, for me, you know, one of my longest term little prayers that that's been a part of my life for a long time that has probably led to a lot of change in my life is praying, Lord, give me a passion for the things you are passionate about. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, when when you pray that, <laughs> you know, and when He answers that it very quickly becomes about people. Yeah. Even, you know, even though I'm a task oriented person, the answer to that prayer makes you about people becomes about eternity and it becomes about connecting people to their creator. Like that is really where it has to land because yeah. the, he is passionate for that. You know, even, you know, even when someone's already a believer, that yeah. longing isn't over. It's not like God says, check, you know, God, I'm in the fold. There's a longing to grow us up as you read about in Ephesians there. And I often share with people, I ask the question a lot in churches when I'm involved in churches saying, what is God's number one priority for you once you're saved? Yeah. What's yeah. the priority? Well, it's to make you like Jesus. Yep. You know, yeah. to, to what you read about there in Ephesians, the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ, that all that uh, we can receive of God, we receive and experience and we are changed, you know, increasingly in his image. God, that, that's his heart because that glorifies him ultimately more than anything else. Taking these, you know, muddy little clay pots and forming them to something beautiful like Christ. That's really what, what it's about. Yeah. Now, now someone once said, maybe you can help me out because I, I forget who it was. They said, Lord, break, you know, may my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Hmm. I don't know who said that. I, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> but, yeah. but but that's basically what you just said, that we would be so in touch. And, and this is the imagery of, of the branch and the vine, that the life that flows through the vine to us as branches really is the life that Jesus gives us. And if God is a God who longs for people, then Jesus is the the Son of God who longs for people as well. And that that's the reason he came, not only to save them, but to rescue them, to find out which was lost. All the imagery in the Bible is is all there. So so, so here, here's another picture of the church. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, we're the body of Christ. You know, he's the head and we're parts of the body. And when I was thinking about this, um, uh, you know when you used to go to the uh, so the country fair and, and still you see it at some amusement parks where there's uh, sort of a painting of a body but the head's cut out and you sort of mm. stick your face through there <laughs> and usually it's some uh, you know bodybuilder or, or or whatever and it, it's kind of hilarious because your face doesn't match the body but when it comes to the body of Christ mm. if Jesus were to put his head over us or the body of our church family, um, how, how would that how would that connection work? Um, does the body reflect the head and the nature of the head to give direction, or are we sort of limping along? Are we atrophied because we never really got around to doing? As you said, what's the one thing we need to do once we come into the the, faith, the household of faith? You said, well, we need to become like Jesus. But if we put Jesus, as it were, 
of what we know of him over our church as a head, would there be symmetry Mm. or or dissonance? And so Jesus longs for his body to live productively and in fashion with the design that he gave it. And and, um, that's what it means to belong and to long to Jesus, that he wants us in the church. And I know you're doing this through the 12-church model. You're you're, you're you're doing something fresh with groups of people who are coming together to to do the work of of making disciples, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it, it's been so, you know, so really uh, gratifying to see people grabbing onto the mission. And, and as we pray for people, you know, as you pray for people, you develop a heart for people. It's yeah, it's pretty hard to pay for someone who doesn't know Jesus without. Eventually, you just get so stirred up, you have to take action in some measure. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I guess the question is, you know, most people would think, yeah, God loves me. But have you ever thought of not just the love of God, but the longing love of God? That, that That's the main heart of this podcast. That God's love comes from a heart of one who loves us and longs for us. Why? Because, because we belong to him. Hmm. If... if um, Everything in life stops when you lose your your child in a department store. <laughs> you know, pretty soon the the loudspeaker will be blaring and the security guards will be running around and we'll be yelling a little gaffer's name to try to help them hear the one that they belong to. And I think the beautiful testimony of Scripture and and the lives of those who read the words of Jesus and sense his heart and, as it were, taste him again for the first time— mm-hmm come to the point where we have to visit our own hearts and ask, as I've been asking in these past days, to what extent do I long with the love of God for people to come and find him and see him and taste him and experience him and then grow in him? And and as we say with the disciple-making uh, lifestyle is, is that we teach them how to do this with other people as well. Oh, yeah. You know, as you're saying this, Tim, I'm just thinking how— how different a worldview this is, you know, from an atheistic yeah. mindset, yeah. you know, from this, this idea that this is all random. There is ultimately no purpose. Uh, you know, this is such a different, what you're saying is just flies in the face of really a lot of our culture. And I would say even not just from an atheistic standpoint, even for a lot of believers, yeah. do, do we really believe God longs for us? Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. do we believe that God is for us? Therefore, who can be against us? Do we understand, you know, how much his his, his heart beats for us? Yeah. And you know, I think we can get into even as Christians into the task, into the duty, uh, you know, into just going through the motions or thinking we have to somehow earn His favor. You know, that's where legalism comes from, trying to earn God's favor. Yeah, yeah. Without realizing, hey, we've already got we've already got the favor. You know, exactly. we can rest in that and allow God to do His work in us and through us. Yeah. So you know. This is all found in the book of Ephesians. You want to three, uh, read through there, chapters 3 and 4. But but here's the kicker. If you, if you read about the church in Ephesus in the book of the Revelation, this is, you know, this is the one thing I have against you. You've fallen and forgotten your first love. Well, Tim, you know, I wrote that down as we're talking. In my <laughs> is that notes, right? I, I wrote down about <laughs> Revelation 2. Okay, so, yeah. so, so we're on the same page because uh, this isn't something that you check off on a list, friends. Uh, this is who we become when we become like Jesus. And, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, when I was visiting my mom, who no longer sort of remembers me unless I'm right with her, and she hears my voice. I think it's my voice that actually uh, puts two and two together. 
But I, I just thought, you know, all those years when I was younger, I never realized the amount of attention and love and longing parents have for kids. Now that I have mm. grandkids, it's all happening all over again. Oh, yeah. yeah. But guess yeah. they're on our mind all the time. I know Heather and I, you know, when, when we pray for our kids or grandkids, it's like there's so much that can happen that can go wrong out there in the world. But if they would only know the longing heart of a parent or a grandparent, mm. uh, that might make their their journey maybe not easier, but they know that they are not alone. And in terms of people in the world who have never really come into a saving knowledge of Jesus and understand that the God who created us in his, in his image, who, as the writer of Ecclesiastes, has put a sense of eternity, I think there's a sense of longing in a human heart that doesn't make sense until you connect that person's longing to the beautiful story and love of Jesus. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that's why we run down so many paths for you know, to medicate ourselves with activity and chemicals and relationships, you know, we're trying to fill up that space. We're trying to find this deep satisfaction that doesn't seem to show up anywhere. And it only shows up in right relationship with the Lord. You know, uh, you mentioned Ephesians, the letter to Ephesus in Revelation 2. I don't know if you're coming back to that or not, but, you know, they'd forsaken their first love. This was a good church. Yeah. This is, you know, Paul planted it, Timothy pastored it, the Apostle John was part of that. The book of Ephesians is a beautiful letter. He doesn't have to get after them at all at that point. No, no. But then, you know, time passes and they're doing all the right things and they're maintaining good teaching and they're doing all the tasks, but it says they lost their first love. And I think what that means is they lost really their heart connection with the Lord and the sense of fellowship with him. It turned into a task situation. Yeah. And the solution to that, it says in that revelation passage is to go back and do the things you did at first. There you go. Right you know? there. I mean, that, right that there. is a great recipe for, for, for marriage counseling. Yeah. That's a great recipe, you know, for any kind of relationship that seems to have gone sideways. And, and what Jesus says there, go back and do what you did at first. Let's start over. Yep. Let's, let's remember as David prayed, you know, restore to me the joy of my salvation, yep. you know, go back and experience that, that, that joy and that, fellowship you had with the Lord at the beginning, because when we're there and we realize other people don't have it, we want other people to have it. We want to pass that on. So if I'm going to land this uh, plane, as I call it, Darren, and, and this has been really meaningful, just, just go more into the heart of, of the Father and disciple-making is an expression of that. You know, we have to realize that, that the presence of the Lord is always around us. You know, it isn't like God's distant from us. Uh, and we're reminded this in scripture where he says, you know, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst, right? So when you gather together, um, maybe it's time for you to, to, to just say, Hey, let's just talk about the longing heart of God because <laughs> he's here with us. Or, or how about, uh, anyone who welcomes a child in my name, Jesus said, welcomes me. All the interactions we have with kids in our day and, and, uh, Kids are, 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 are so important in our lives. And when we welcome them, it, it's like we're welcoming Jesus. Why? Because God longs for that child to know him as well. And, and he's there. And then, then in, in Matthew 25, you know, what, whatever you did to the least of one of these brothers or sisters of mine, he did it to me. And, and well, what did we do? Well, we visited those actually who were in prison. We gave, it's the practical things. We visited the lonely. We clothed those who were naked. We, we fed and housed. Just all the practical things that we can do, not only within the household of faith, but those around us who are trying to make sense of life in these days, who are detached, who feel they don't belong. 
I just I just found this to be a, a wonderful reminder to my own soul. Uh, having visited my mom, mm-hmm. who basically her memory is just shot now, that God never forgets us. You know, yeah. the Bible says like it's like we're inscribed in His hands, mm-hmm. and uh, I just think that 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 that's a beautiful place to uh, pause. And I invite you again, taste. Taste the Lord again, as it were. Taste and see again for the first time what his heart is all about and how that impacts you. You belong to him. He longs for you to belong to him. How much do you long for him and others yet to find him? Hmm. And I think I'm going to land there. I don't know if you have any closing uh, comments there, Darren. No, I I just want to say amen to that, Tim. That was very well said. I've been thinking as we're talking too, we love because he first loves us. Yeah. He initiated. And when we receive his love, we can respond back to him. And also then it overflows to others. And that's really, uh, Lord, give us a heart for the things your heart beats for. Thanks so much for sharing your heart today, Tim. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.